Yes. My podcast true. is bleeding. <laughs> this is terrible. Delicious. It's fat. It it's pretty terrible. bad. Um, <laughs> but no one knows Lily and Jim references. That's the problem. Hey, everybody. That's the problem. Welcome to Frame Rate, the show where we rate frames. Um, let's go around the horn. Hey, let's go around the horn and introduce ourselves. Why not? I'm Michael Swaim. I'm Abe Epperson. That's the horn. Hi, I'm Cody. John Johnston. Contractually, that's his writer. Mm-hmm. Just, just wherever bits I go, it's coming from left field in this one. I like it already. It's delightfully chaotic, like it the movie. Totally watched. Yeah. Like the movie. Yeah, let's make a a humorous, poetic, completely unrelated observation about something else entirely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such a beautiful day. It is, and before we dive into the titular film that Abe just wove. Right in a conversation, like a magic trick, like sleight of hand before your eyes, ears, uh, is uh, we should thank Cave, right? That's yeah, who. Cave. Yeah. Cave. Shout cave. out to Cave. That's the name. That's the name of the man who gave mm-hmm. us some money to cover this movie. <laughs> uh, and YouTube can be like Cave, you see. If you go to patreon.com slash smallveens, one of our tiers is pick the flick. And if you smack some smackaroos down on that. That, barrel head that page that bar- yeah. yeah uh you can you too can choose a movie that we cover and uh you even let you pick the guest if you know if we can and this time we brought cody johnston <laughs> you had to do it you said you walked right into it dude. yeah sorry <laughs> no. sorry hi all right this is thanks, for, thanks for having me <laughs> God, if you haven't seen this movie and you don't understand how on tone this chaos is, <laughs> yes. this you're chaos just like, is... this is a fucking terrible podcast. <laughs> this is just nothing. Is this but your let's... first podcast? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Working out luck, the kinks. <clears throat> much like Plato's Cave, It's Such a Beautiful Day, uh, released in 2012 and almost completely <laughs> single-handedly made by Don Hertzfeld, a legendary animator of stick figures, uh, is uh, chaotic and really just a slice of, of madness, literally and figuratively. So let's get into it. I think it's, oh, and like Plato's Cave, is this is where I was going with it. It tries yeah, to illuminate gonna... some of the fundamental truths of existence. Ah, mm-hmm. observational yeah, 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 yeah. kind of philosophy. Um, and yeah. I want to start with just Don Hertzfeld as a thing. Uh, so I can say this, but then I'm also very interested in knowing where he fits into your guys' pop culture, like palette or life. But people might know Don Herzfeld if they know his like weird short films that, believe it or not, you know, have been nominated for Oscars, have ranged all the way from being nominated for Oscars to being just like viral on YouTube back in the day for being really funny. Um, and I was uniquely privileged to see most of them in theaters. Because my dad was such a big fan of weird animation that he would always take us to this thing called Spike and Mike's Sick and Twisted Festival of Animation, recently mentioned on a previous Mm -hmm. Small Beans podcast, um, where they would show just weird, fucked up, funny cartoons. And we'd go every year. And my favorite every time was like, I was always waiting to see what Don Hertzfeld released. Mm -hmm. And uh, if the name doesn't ring a bell, listeners... Uh, he's known for Billy's Balloon, Lily and Jim, Rejected, which was just a bunch of rejected ads. It's probably the most popular. That's probably rejected, the most known. Yeah. yeah. And then he 
I think it's fair to say, but I correct me if I'm wrong or if you guys have a different take. He like skewed more artistic, let's say, or more abstract or whatever. He got into doing things like the world of tomorrow and uh, more figurative and I would say are artistically ambitious rather than comedically ambitious mm-hmm. stuff. And this is finally his feature. So it's not a long feature. It's like 65 minutes mm-hmm. or something. But this is called It's Such a Beautiful Day, and it's finally feature length. I think it's his first feature length thing, as far as I'm aware. Um, so I have a super special place in my heart for Don Hertzfeld. Um, I'm obsessed with Lily and Jim, which was his first one that was just like a slice of life dating, awkward, bullshit comedy. Uh, what's your guys' Don Hertzfeld deal? You go, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, uh, mostly pretty limited, actually. Um, the uh, I'm like vaguely familiar uh, with like his voice and style. Um, like it's very familiar. I immediately know mm-hmm. who it is if I see something he's made. Um, but really, the only piece that I've like scene i'm pretty sure is what you started the episode with which is the the balloon is too big uh rejected my spoon's Reject- too big yeah yeah um that's like i just re- like you know what was it the first the literally the first day of the internet that <laughs> video went up or whatever right um and so that was uh obviously like something i was familiar with and then i also knew he did uh simpson's couch gag uh i know like, yeah Really eight years ago or something like that. Um, really weird. Um, and I remember being like, "Oh, it's this guy. I'll I'll watch that." I used to like The Simpsons, um, and it's very weird and good. And now that I've seen this movie, uh, it fits like really well with it. Um, right. And like I, from what I remember, at least of the couch gags. Oh yeah, it's like very similar uh, thematically and just sort of a lot of um, a lot of what's going on there. But uh, that's that's it for me. Every- yeah. Um. It wouldn't, I wouldn't, look, I wouldn't be an asshole Put the knife if down. I didn't Put disagree. The knife down. Uh, <laughs> Put the scissors I, uh, down. It's a reference to the movie. All right. Buddy. I actually, I, I'm not super bothered by uh, Don Hertzfeld, but I remember when Rejected, because Rejected came out in like 2000 or something like that. Aaron was like a high school student. And right? I was real cool guy. <laughs> and, and I was so fucking cool. No, it was, uh, I actually... I was like kicking it with like theater kids at the time, right? That was those were the cool kids, and they fucking loved it. They fucking loved it to the point that it was just like repeating my anus is bleeding w- was like our hangouts. My group, they were had that phase as well. There was a phase, and I like arrived at like being a part of that group during that phase, and I don't know why I, like stuck around those kids because mm-hmm. I love them. They're great, but like that's such a hard thing to be like you're not into the bit, you don't understand, like. I came over from like baseball and like we didn't do jokes over They're like, there. Your right. anus right. is bleeding. Like, you know, like the, yeah. come on, man. Well, I mean, like I like maybe it. some Anchorman quotes, but like, yeah. yes, not, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it was more like Austin Powers exactly. right? yeah, at yeah. that time. Yeah, baby, it was. <laughs> that movie holds yeah, up, baby. Uh, but like, so to me, like the it was it was the beginning of the long standing like the surrealism. I'm like, I'm into it. But the repetition, uh, I am not. It's just not a joke mm-hmm. that works on me. In fact, a great joke can be murdered, in my opinion, by just repeating things. Oh, here and that's comes what Gracie Strangler. Was. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Because I, I find that as he 
he made a turn to the more arti- uh, artistic. Uh, I I really liked such a beautiful day. Like yeah. it's it's very oh good. way better it, than like that. It's bullshit you're talking about. Absolutely. Well, I mean, like some people, that's what it that's what it's into, and I think yeah. that like Billy's Balloon feels like I, it was the precursor to every I popular like webcomic. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I like the the image of the boy waving. As he's riding his other balloon and, and then, then the getting plane pa- coming. pancaked yeah. by an airplane, fucking perfect. I feel like it was a precursor to every like webcomic in the 2000, 2010s, like Perry Bible Fellowship, three word phrase, because it was always this unexpected kind of chaos. And I think that in this movie, the balance of the mundane nonsense that he's like kind of saying that's just like stream of consciousness that we all share and how it's like kind of relevant sometimes, but mostly insignificant, uh, like that stuff is great because I, I don't know. It's he's like actually tapping into stuff that we usually go. We don't notice most of the time, but sometimes go, huh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he's really good about, I don't know, this movie, like the word Sonder came up when I was watching this movie, right? Oh, great a few word. times, yeah. a few times he kind of dips into that. And I feel like that, that word has become like, if you're on the internet, you know it. But for those in acclimated, it's like the thought that everyone around you is having an in- equally uh, interesting slash complex life. Uh, and to ponder the idea of them going through the motions just as you're going through your motions, uh, it's that feeling, right? Very palpably uh, felt yeah. during the scene where he has completely unmoored from his memories, doesn't know what's going on. But he yeah. stops at a gas station and there's an old man on the phone who seems very emotionally moved who says, OK, OK, I'll, or something like, I'll be right there. OK, thank you so much. Yeah. And hangs up the phone and like does a little flourish and saunters off. And you're like, what was that dude's deal? Was and it? that's yeah, the exactly. point, right? <laughs> yeah, and there's like the precursor that even there, like there's that one uh, section where he like literally literally he's like watching people walk and stripping them down to like their brain stems. Uh, and mm-hmm. just sort of talking about that aspect of of life and like everybody Literally, is yeah. this sort of like cage of this ex- of this experience that's unique to them, but it's all the same, but it's not. Um, yeah. Yeah. Meat and, and just... physics too terrified to recognize the sum of their parts, afraid of change, mm-hmm. decisions, pain, stuck in traffic, listening to terrible music. Yeah, and I love the terrible music that he does too, because it's like <laughs> it's basically <laughs> yeah. Cody's fanfare. Yeah. 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 Um, I, yeah. you're right. I did it like that on purpose. <laughs> exactly. He also really captures the feeling of being alone with your thoughts. Like they, he, he plays silence mm-hmm. several times in the movie really effectively where it's like a statement is said or a sound is heard. And then he's just like, Hmm, like it's just, yeah, you sit in just it with, kind of, you yeah. sit in it and then it'll move on. And I think that he had, he, cause sometimes, sometimes it's like, a. Like we uh, we love Peep Show, right? Mm-hmm. And Peep Show in is all house. about Rolodexing <laughs> all the jokes that your brain does, right? Because you're in the characters' heads, so it's like stream of consciousness, like the narrator is in this uh, film. But rarely does it ever do the thing where we all do, where we have a bunch of thoughts, we have these stupid thoughts, we dismiss them. Sometimes we laugh at ourselves, you know, and all that's the, the whole my- myriad of things that our brains do. But sometimes our brains just are still and we don't think a goddamn thing. Uh, and that's something that in like terms of like stream of stream of consciousness literature, you don't see a lot that uh, Don Hertzfeld does really well, I think. Yeah. 
Not me, uh, baby. <laughs> you, you can't stop. Michael Swain can't stop. Never still. I'm working on it. But yes, I get in theory what you're talking about. Um, like serenity, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to recap and transition into something that I, I'm sorry, not recap, but synopsize very quickly and transition into something I really appreciate about the film that will come out of that naturally is uh, if you haven't seen it, or you don't know what we're talking about. Abe's alluding to the fact that I would describe it as almost, if it if the goal wasn't to be funny, uh, an animated anthology of like weekly comic strips. It's like he did a hundred Calvin and Hobbes's in a row, mm. and and they do have an overarching narrative. But it's these little vignettes. They're almost exclusively mm. narrated either by a narrator or by, by Bill himself, who's the main character, mm. um, who's sort of an everyman stick figure, uh, and. It becomes evident over the course of it that Bill has severe mental illness and something I really and yet through his journey also uncovers a set of like universal truths. Mm -hmm. And I I compare it to like everything everywhere all at once, which is like there's some stuff that's just true or like Vonnegut's canon also does this. And a lot of talented people take really beautiful stabs at just here's like five or six things that are, that I've discovered that is hard won wisdom that is true. And we remind ourselves of those things by, you know, enshrining them in stories. And this feels like Don Hertzfeld's take on some big truths that I'm sure we'll explicitly get into. But like one of them that was really interesting to me and talk about Sonder was inviting you to imagine someone with actual aphasia and how disorienting and unmooring it is and what it means mm-hmm. philosophically to actually have like, cause Bill gets, face blindness the thing where people seem like imposters a complete loss of understanding of his identity at certain points after like surgeries um and what that would actually be like and how you would actually live and what you would be thinking in your head like don hertzfeld goes as far as to imagine what someone having a really severe disconnect with reality what they would think on a moment to moment basis and he does a really compelling job. I can't say whether it's true to life, but it's compelling. It feels like really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is entirely, or that's not true. A couple people say things, but it's basically a long monologue. Uh, and I, that's what I wanted to ask is like, and we'll get into the ending, I guess a bit later, but mm-hmm. uh, did anyone, did it, did you like it, dislike it or were neutral about the fact that this is essentially just a flip book of stick figures and a vocal track. Did that ever get boring or tedious or was that fine for everyone? Oh, uh, I didn't find it boring or tedious. I mean, well, the runtime I think helps cause it is only like 60 True. minutes, you know? Um, but it was all, and aside from the fact that you can look at his, you know, other works and go, Oh, this is a style. He does stick figures and stuff, but it was utilized in a way that brought out, what was being discussed and the themes and what he was trying to talk about too. And like it highlighted the experience um, in a way that I think was compelling the whole time. You have these little, you know, it's not until the end. um, It's uh, not really a full screen movie. Like there are these little like windows, these little snippets that you see. Most of the screen is still filled with black. It's amorphous um, framing. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, there's some jittery editing and stuff for like these certain moments and experiences. But it is like you're kind of looking through like a keyhole or like a hole in the wall mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. into these moments of this uh, person's life. Um, and there's a simplicity to it 
that I think I think also lends itself to like being being able to uh, explore the ideas that he's exploring in it. Um, so I was I never found it not compelling or interesting to watch um, because it was like, quote unquote, simple. Um, I think mm-hmm. it was an interesting way to to do that, because like you said, like very few people have ever actually talk. There's like I think the doctor at one point speaks. You hear the doctor's voice and that's like at a critical moment in the movie and the story. Um, but you are sort of in this one person uh, and it it's sort of a slow burn that I really appreciated. Yeah, I agree entirely. Uh, I think uh, it's well said. And it's also like it, it gives him the ability to, which is, was always true about rejected because there's like rejected. Ha- he can't, he always came from this place. Don Hertzfeld, that is, uh, came from this place where it's like, everything is throwaway at one point, like a hole is ripped in the canvas. I believe in, in rejected, or maybe that's Billy's balloon. Uh, like the paper itself becomes uh, that's rejected. I think that's rejected. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. yeah. Like, so he really wants to fuck with the medium, um, which, you know, is really cool because he has this, he has a piece of technology that, or he did have a piece of technology that was like, this is a, it's a 35 millimeter camera, but it's an animation setup called a rostrum's animation setup and it was built in the 70s and it's what makes hurtfelt hurtsfelt movies and it's one of the last surviving cameras of its kind and still operating worldwide Mm -hmm. Uh, although towards the end of the production the camera started give that's why you notice so so many light leaks in like the last third of the movie because the camera's motor began oh began interesting to fail. i wow. kind of thought that was kind of on purpose which that's is all you know nope it's that's a movie a part... about accepting decay and forgetting it's and accepting yeah. it. i think he yeah. i think he probably was like i'll take care of this after and it's maybe he's fixed it but i don't that's know very that's but cool. it what it does is it's an animation stand so it allows you to have like hand-drawn animation you can do weird optical effects by just putting shit in front of the lens mm-hmm. you can do trick photography by doing mats which is essentially what is the vignette form that you're alluding to um, and all that stuff you can do it frame by frame um, and so he has this ability to really muscle his vision into the format itself and I think that uh, doing that is so perfectly suited for a movie where like the mind is being lost you know mm-hmm. uh, he does yeah. so many cool things where it's like the light bleeds like we mentioned the little vignette uh, like keyhole stuff that you're talking about uh, also he does like some like this is a deep cut in terms of animation Stan Brackage where he's like literally painting on the frame um, yeah. so he is yeah. all over the place and I love it and the, he's, uh, he starts the film everything with an upshot of clouds over stars that's like mm-hmm. stop motion flip book real photography mm-hmm. which in retrospect becomes incredibly fraught with meaning when one of the only positive moments in Bill's journey is this moment where he finally feels at rest and connected with like whatever you want to call it able to access wonder and happiness and looks up at the stars and muses about how it's a giant time machine a giant magic time machine in the sky every single night yeah. and he can't believe that he never looked at it that way before doesn't mm-hmm. spend every night just staring at it and goes around wanting to tell people don't you realize everything's amazing uh and it and makes that shot from the shit, beginning Cody. so dope yeah, yeah i'm so pleased i thought i thought i had too much nostalgia or that 
I'm so pleased you guys both like it as much because I really think it's great. I was actually worried for the first third that it was going to be a nonstop disconnected like Gary Shandling in his later years would go and do stand up with nothing planned and just talk. (laughs) And I did feel like it was that for a while where I was like, is this just a statement about being awash in these weird mundane moments? Yeah. So the first I'm like medium compelled by the first third, but when it becomes a story and you realize, Oh no, he's hearing voices cause he's hearing voices and it coalesces into a coherent yes. thing, exploration of very deep things, themes. I think it's phenomenal. Like it's such a staggering thing to me that it reminds me of shit like, and this is, it's not that sophisticated, but man, it's effective because you've been a wash right in stick figures the whole time. And there's that moment where Bill, uh, he seems to get some kind of brain surgery but and wakes up and the mm. doctor explains his situation to him, but his memory's so far gone that it says he doesn't understand what the doctor's saying. And then they go like, "Do you, can you tell me who this is? Do you remember her? And they show him a picture of his on-again, off-again girlfriend, and it cuts to real footage, which you realize is a POV from Bill waking up in bed next to a woman and it's the only real footage you've seen other than like this shot of a pig that's used for half a second. Uh, it really reminded me of Waltz with Bashir, which we covered where yeah. you, you suddenly get real footage at the end. And man, the emotional punch of that one shot of real footage mm-hmm. after all the stick figure shit. Super, super effective. Um, so I wanted to ask, based on that, they uh, around the same point, they start to explain that it's possible with people who have memory gaps that they start filling it in with false memories. My question to y'all is, do you think the implication is that all the stories about his family, like it's explicitly implied that the story about his little brother with the aluminum arms and legs is a false memory. Um, and which makes it nonetheless beautiful, which is an interesting philosophical Mm -hmm. point. But, uh, do you think all of his, like is his entire story of the family history and the hereditary nature of his mental illness. Is that all in his head or is it impossible to suss that out? I it's, I think it's impossible. I I was going to say, I think it's impossible to fully answer that question. It's a good question, but but I, yeah, I just don't think, I think it's, it's by design kind of both. Right. Um, mm -hmm. adding that doubt, by like like you're saying explicitly like this is not this is like a false memory but there are i don't know it's it's yeah it's hard to suss out i think that there's a lot of times in fiction and i think he's doing a similar thing is that it's it's kind of what you're implying almost with the question michael where it's like it's both things like for example his grandmother's little sister polly died of contracting yellow fever Mm -hmm. and catching on fire Right. <laughs> I think that so what I think it does is I think that there's probably some truth to it's like they're probably died of some sickness, you know, or something like that could have even been yellow fever. But the details of catching on fire is like a it uh, it's it makes it available for like re- to Rolodex jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Yeah, same thing with the train, right? Like uh, the train and then got hit by a train, back, like yeah. got, got cut in half by a train. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. all these sort of like mix and mixing and matching and trying to like trying to make sense of a bunch of uh little pieces that um some are some are real some are you some are not um yeah i was talking about like the atom like the atoms uh how we're all you know we all we're all we're not made of the same atoms we were you know 10 years ago or whatever so you're sort of cobbling together 
the semblance of a self. And mm-hmm. I think it's it is a mix and match sort of situation with that. Yeah, he yeah. does. He basically enshrines a number of thought experiments that I have encountered before, but he has very good taste in what thought experiments are actually truly profound. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. I've that, heard that thing yeah. about the cells before, and he makes a, a lot out of like uh, out of or there's little moments that sort of shout you can't tell the good news from the bad news until it's too late. And that's the true chaos of life. And that's why accepting and letting go is kind of the only strategy you can eventually employ. Um, Vonnegut already said that, but it's still good to say, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like a good curation of things that I believe in and they really resonate for me. I, I do want to say just while we're on the, that passage about his uh, family, I had to write this down because it's one of the only, I don't think he's trying to be funny very often, but this passage slayed me. And if listeners are on the fence, I think this will like, like if you think this is funny, you should watch this movie. <laughs> His grandma was born in boot black two years after the great mud storm killed all the hogs. Grandpa was a rancher who once strangled a rock in a fit of religious yeah. fervor. He was a simple man eating an onion when a train cut him in half. Her older brother grew his mole hairs long to purify his soul and once fathered an illegitimate child he strangled in the barn at night. He claimed he saw an aquatic creature make off with the ma- mayor's prize cow. He soon became plagued with firebugs, lead poisoning, and polio and was eventually killed by a train. Which I gotta say so reminded me great. of nothing like so it. much as Scott Buck introduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of Aikwood too. A little all over the uh, place, but still coherent somehow. <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not trying to be funny, but taking jokes if jokes are present, you know, present themselves. <laughs> right. uh, I wrote compared to Aikwood on my notes as well. Definitely gives Aikwood mm-hmm. vibes at certain points, and reminded yeah. me. I also wrote, reminds me of Synecdoche, New York at another point. And that's crazy to me because it's just fucking stick figures. That's, that's, that is an accomplishment. Because in it's and of the itself. thoughts. It's the, it's the, uh, it's what it signifies. Yeah. The, the Synecdoche also is, uh, fervidly interested in the mundane to the point of like trying to search for meaning in the mundane, which is what this movie does as well. And finding and with Aikwood, because there is more meaning of, like, in the mundane. The phraseology is just like, and joke Rolodex seems like a, uh, it's very Aikwood. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of jokes, I have a question for you because the trains also got me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I mentioned the little sister Polly dying of contracting yellow fever and catching on fire. Mm -hmm. I typically don't like the joke, that type of joke. And it's the same thing with my anus is bleeding over and over and over. This movie isn't my anus is bleeding over and over. But I don't, I can't determine how, and I love the train joke. So I don't know how one is good and the other isn't. Like why is catching on fire? Like it bothers me a little bit personally. Like a cheap, seems like a like a cheap reach or like a low hanging fruit joke, but the train joke is like really good to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe because it unexpectedly is done a second yeah, time. Yeah, it's it's uh the repetition is really like deliberate and meaningful. Yeah. and uh purposeful. Um, and there's time in between too, right? There's it's time not in just like, all right, I get it. The phrase you're saying it, it's a funny voice. We're doing that, um, as opposed to the surprise of like, oh god, oh the train again. <laughs> all right, it's kind of and like how Mike read it just now. It's kind of a perfect joke. And later in the movie, 
his own mother dies of, you know, several things, but also a train. And that's, I think, for rule of thirds. Sometimes yeah. I hate the rule of thirds. Do you guys know what I mean by that? It's by like hating comedians. it? Or yeah. what the rule of thirds is? Yeah. No, I know what the rule of rule. thirds is. I'm just saying, like, what? Oh, like, I know. Do you some... Do, do you know I are you know. ever bothered by I like a, a third sometimes joke? yeah or the contrarian in me is like why not or sometimes you can use write it the thing that it becomes a system in and of itself and comedy is all about breaking systems so right it makes right. you want to do two or four because yeah, you expect would, three <laughs> right yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then it's just the pendulum swings back and forth you know i guess in jokes that i didn't expect a second like in systems where i didn't expect them to be built i'm like ah that's nice that's, i like yeah. that you played with my expectation and then if you make it a rule of third i'm like back to ah you made it mundane again mm-hmm. that's my favorite but, maneuver which is what arrested development did so well which is you make something both beat one of a joke and double duty as an actual yeah, plot point that's right. a plot turn so the audience is experiencing it as a plot turn and totally not expecting that it's beat one of a three beat joke right. and when it comes back you go i didn't know that was going to come back like it slips past your radar and it gives you a new thing to focus on it's, it's, <laughs> it's very smart because mm, very good mm, mm. Mm. tight tight little packages mm. uh, but uh that is what reminded me of synecdoche by the way is uh when they say his mother gets hit by a train and then due to a clerical error she's buried between a coffin full of rocks and someone's dead dog yeah. <laughs> like it's as pathetic as possible very Charlie Kaufman very Charlie Kaufman that's for sure uh yeah yeah. and I gotta say while we're well I'm like dragging us down recommendation (laughs) road um that that uh he has a realization by going through his dead mom's old photos that she got a doctor's letter strongly suggesting that Mm -hmm. she never have children because they would probably be mentally ill uh which is of course a weird emotionally fraught scene uh Mm. and really reminds me of a comic that i'm just taking the excuse to recommend that i think everyone should read in their lives uh called jimmy corrigan the smartest kid on earth by chris ware which also has a parent abandoning a child in a very good Mm. way and also is basically stick figures but fancier stick figures really good well it's it's a it's a uh this movie is just so good i like i it's so good at um these moments that are really strongly connected to other moments um, mm-hmm. and keep com- keeping coming back to them like that. Even just that one uh, scene you just mentioned, there's also something later where it's like it's like it's like it's a bunch of things. It's also this mundane sort of like conversation with his coworker, and but also his coworker bringing up those twins right that uh both became serial killers right <laughs> and he's like oh yeah you know genetics and stuff and like it's it's it is yeah. linked to these other scenes and like what this character is do is going through internally but it also is just like yeah you know how like <laughs> your work and like your coworkers is like telling you stuff that, like you just don't you're not really like caring <laughs> about, about or paying attention yeah. to yeah right god i love <laughs> or when in the hospital when his uncle says yeah people never say how they really feel until it's too late 
Then he stood there silently and said oh, nothing at so all. So good. <laughs> yeah. And then just like disappears. They take the flowers away, like all this stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, the doctor says he's getting better, so his mother removed all the, flowers, all the flowers from his room. Yeah. Oh my god, the fact that the guy in the bed next to him can't speak and only has a button he mm. can press that makes a robot voice say, I am in pain. I am in <laughs> so pain. like God. all day he just hears a guy say, I am in pain. Yeah. And it becomes such a philosophical existentialist. It reminds me of reading The Stranger in college. Like it is truly existentialist in its And I like how you he, they bring it up when you, after you've forgotten about it a, after a while. He's very good at that, like mm-hmm. keeping like waiting for the repetition because you get the I am in pain and you like think about that and then a bunch more of the story happens and like he and his ex-girlfriend are like enjoying some time at his at his hospital bed and just in the right in the middle of a line of narration you just hear a distance I am in pain mm-hmm. am in and pain. it just has nothing to do with uh yeah I um there's a one of my favorite was talking about just what Cody was just talking about with the mundane stuff. Uh, an old man who smelled like gasoline held up an onion and then murmured to himself, "Big onion, big onion." Bill, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bill yeah. looked down at his socks. Yeah, and he smiles at Bill, and then Bill looks down. Yeah, the first like five minutes are so good. Um, in that way of just like yeah, the per the perfect interaction that could have happened to literally anybody. Um, and yeah, then almost off. David Sedaris like mundane. Yeah, yeah just like the was it like moments. Yeah, just like the is it like he uh, he said like how's up or something like that. To that's the, the first like vignette. It's so yeah, good. Like, the yeah. disconnect. Uh, yeah, two very peep show. Like by. actually, that's totally on point too. And I yeah, how's up and these <laughs> big onion. <laughs> Yeah, Big Onion. I love that one just because it's like I could see myself in both of those. Yeah, you're either one. Roles. Exactly. That's exactly that's it. What's, yeah. yeah. I think that's what he uh, that's what he's connecting to is he's and that's what comes that's where the Sonder comes from the comedy. Because it's like I'm gonna make circumstances that you apply yourselves to all members of the all parties involved. Right. That first yeah. interaction where like they're like, How's up? Way like it's just like it's weird, like they cross <laughs> they cross way. paths, they don't they never he like literally says they never see each other again and don't think about it beyond beyond the next day they don't, they just never think yep. about it again and bill yep. like watching it bill could be either one but does, like, then fucking <laughs> later in the movie when he's had a complete mental break they do the exact same sequence, but this time the context is he's talking to his father, who he hasn't mm-hmm. seen in decades, who yeah. is also mentally ill and senile. And the same shit happens where they go, this Post was the last time they'd ever see each other mm-hmm. in their lives, and neither of them fully understood what was going on. But just going with his instinct, Bill stood and said, I forgive you. And the old man doesn't know what he's referring to, mm-hmm. but cries anyway. And yeah. they never mm-hmm. think about it ever again. And you're like, oh, my God. Now this thing that was mundane means everything. Like, it has yeah, exactly. so much emotional charge. And the thing that they were try- they wanted to happen did occur, but it didn't have the same meaning to them mm-hmm. uh, that as if they were totally aware. Yet it did. It did because still, exactly. they yeah. went through the motions, you know? Like, they actually... <laughs> Did the thing? Yeah, drove there, had the conversation, the th- stuff. Yeah, yeah, tried. It's almost, like did all the did all the steps. Did all of you... the processes. Felt yeah. it. Yeah, and I think that that's there's a uh, there's an argument to be made, or I think he's kind of making the argument that there's um your your ability to go through like a genuine human moment 
is not necessarily dictated dictated by your ability to want that moment to occur, but rather that you just are participant in the moment. You know, like I think that that's the lesson of Bill. And that's also why we don't want him to die at the end is that it's like we don't want to participate in his death, uh, but we all kind of have to, you know, like that's the time moves on. He does that whole point like where he does time's arrow. He basically set says like, that's the one continuous spectrum that we have. And he draws an arrow at the top of the screen. It's Trophy like, Amadorians. It's, it's yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What's the little joke he said? He's like, uh, it's like, yeah, I, th- I feel like I, I, somebody told me that before. <laughs> But I don't remember. And the guy doesn't <laughs> like, get it. Yeah. Which is perfect. Because that's so true about every, like, I'm sure people had that when I, like, opened up in this podcast with Sonder. People were like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I So my interpretation of that ending, which I dearly love, it's like the way my brain wants to go anyway with this. And it mm. reminds me of something Vonnegut talked about where he says, uh, you know, fearing like fearing death and having that intrinsic fear of how long you'll be dead and how long eternity is and how life is just a fraction of a second, uh, feels overwhelming sometimes. But then on the other hand, something you, that is true that, uh, you don't think about enough is he makes some reference to like, I had a nice day going fishing with my brother, you know, on this particular day in July when we were kids, this shit happened and we watched the trains or whatever. And he Mm -hmm. goes, and no matter how long the universe persists, even after all time stops, it will always have happened. Mm-hmm. Like that did happen. It doesn't matter if it's mm-hmm. forgotten or that everything decays into nothing. Stuff that happens still happen and will have always happened eternally. Like that also spreads eternally. And I feel like in this, we get kind of the more depressive view of that phenomenon, but it's still super powerful, which is that, in my opinion, after he goes to the old folks home and then drives all night and then pulls his car over mm-hmm. and lies down in the grass, I think Bill dies. That's my interpretation. Mm-hmm. Right. But the narrator yeah, yeah, yeah. is basically going, okay, but let's say you got what you wanted always. Like mm-hmm. let's, cause you know, as he says in Synecdoche, New York, here we all are alive for a tiny moment, all going to die knowing we will die, but pretending or less sometimes that we won't or th- secretly thinking we won't. Mm. And it's like the narrative. We're hoping that we like, never do. Right. Like right. It's, there's, yeah. It, and I remember thinking as a kid, Oh, I'm sure by the time I die, they'll be able to upload consciousnesses to data <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like I thought shit like that all the time. I can smoke cigarettes for, uh, for as much as I want. They'll cure everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the f- this ending where the narrator says, let's say he didn't die, right? It's like an argument with yourself. Okay, let's say you get what you want. You live forever and ever and ever. And the whole ending segment of this film is a thought experiment where Bill lives forever. And it's like, let's say it's good too. Like, let's say mm-hmm. he doesn't get bored. He says he can't ever die. Um, people die around him, but he finds new loves. He always finds it rewarding. He learns every language, travels every <laughs> land, does every job, learns to control all pain through meditation becomes basically the buddha creates great art loves loses loves again and is fulfilled like at all times Mm -hmm. and everyone dies and the planet's engulfed by flame and he floats through space and he's fine with just looking at the stars and then all the stars die out and he's alone and you know what happens at that point (laughs) and i think this is a phenomenally interesting concept uh to quote it or like uh, what is the quote? He forgets his name and the place he once came from. He lives and he lives until all the lights go out. 
And it's the implication that if you experience everything, if you live forever, if you have the totality of memory and knowledge and everything you want is fulfilled, everything is an undifferentiable goo of nothing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's like, I know people always say, well, life wouldn't be as precious if you didn't die. And I always go, yeah, yeah, that sounds true. But in my heart, I go, that's not true. I would want to live forever. (laughs) Um, This is one of the only thought experiments that's palpably driven at home to me where I'm like, actually, he's right. I wouldn't want to live forever. Everything would lose its meaning if everything was anything and everything's everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything's everything. Nothing's unique. It's all just, yeah, in your little tank. It really made me feel yeah. in my bones. Oh, okay. Death does render life. And ultimately, when they show his deathbed scene, I find it a really hopeful sentiment when he says, on his actual deathbed, all that occurs to him is how stupid it is, how much time he wasted in his life thinking about this moment. This and awkward here it moment. Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just awkward and it's going to be over soon. And it's just a moment in his life. Why did he focus on it so much? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then he tries to, he says he wants to tell everyone around him this unfathomable wisdom, but all his brain can say is it smells like dust and moonlight. It's like dust and moonlight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, like exactly. what a good fucking moment. So good. Yeah. <laughs> full of yeah. it. It's full of them. There's a precursor to the ending where... We actually get a vignette where this kind of all happens to him in a small microcosm, like a fish tank of version of it, because there's a section about him not dying and like his family going through the motions of uh, grieving, right? Mm -hmm. Like they buy flowers and then they get the news that he's not going to die. So they take the flowers out and like his uncle's a little bit, you sent the coffin back and the the uncle's a little like disappointed. (laughs) And I love this. I love this perception or this thought of uh, not dying being an inconvenience to those we love (laughs) Mm -hmm. who have already started to grieve because grieving is such a, it's, it's such a, um, like, downhill or not downhill but like it feels like coming off a slope right once you build that momentum it's like you want to finish the grieving process because we need things to end uh and when things don't end in the way when there's that awkward kind of ending uh it gives us like a sour taste because we want our things to be all buttoned up and perfect and exactly the archetype that we wish and i think that he's really playing with the expectation of you perceiving what you think is the right way for things to go and the reality of the chaotic kind of awkwardness of life being so disconnected uh that you might as well not even try to build yourself into an archetype that is actually to me true wisdom um and it's very well said in the in both the ending and like the precursor to the ending, which to me is like, he's kind of telling us, think about the, think about how it's like, he he says in the ending, like, think about how good it would be if, if this were all to occur. And in the like, kind of uh, like two thirds part, uh, part through the movie, he's kind of saying like, isn't it awkward that we do this to ourselves? He's kind of hitting it from both sides. And I think Mm. that that's excellent. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. 
I mean, yeah, well, in both contradictory sorry. things are true is like, a repeated thing. Like, yeah, so unnecessarily reductive. I know why I chose to speak right no. now. No, I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. Though, silence. Or at least, you needed to fill the silence because you're a joker. I mean, I'm meeting you more than halfway here, but there is something about contradictory truths, right? Like his mom is or at least in some way heredity is to blame for the mental illness that he's saddled with and the fact that it makes the back half of his life difficult and Mm -hmm. sad. But also there's the reveal that his mom practiced writing the I'm so proud of you note hundreds of times every day. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. like she loved you so much and she completely fucked up your life. It's both. Yeah, she tried really hard to not yeah. make it that miserable um, and that, and diffi- that, that difficult. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is, uh, it feels so wise to me, especially when you couple that with shit like, because the benefit of it being abstract stick figures and using so much ellipsing and just cutting, like I say, to the point where it feels like disconnected comic strips but then they are connected in the aggregate mm-hmm. uh is that he can like oh man it blew my mind when i realized simpsons had this ability magic ability like you got to know the cast of care of springfield so well that they could have someone say the setup for a joke and then cut to bumblebee mm-hmm. man across town even though he hasn't been in the episode and he can say the punchline like mm-hmm. they could diso they could disjoint from time and place and I realized that at some point Springfield is just a hive mind. Like anyone yeah, can yeah, yeah. riff with anyone at any time. And I feel like this it's has an that. expression of, yeah. What's, yeah. Yeah. And the unmooring in yeah. time makes it equally, this tack like exploits that same thing, but for dramatic effects so well. Right. Have you ever read um, Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius? That was the first mm-hmm. time I ever yeah. like arrived in that where he's like, He's like dealing with the fact that he has to raise his brother because his parents died and he's like thinking it all through and he's in all of his insecurities and he's in traffic in his car and he looks to his left and he sees like a motorcyclist who takes off his helmet or something like that and looks at him and is like, you know, you're totally right about it. Like every single one of those things you just said in your mind. And mm. it's like he's having a conversation with a stranger who's judging him and adding on to his kind of like litany of self-esteem issues and uh, insecurities. And it's just like some pulling from the chorus, the idea that there, there's two thoughts, right? There's the thought that we're all kind of, we share some kind of collective unconscious and like some joint wisdom, all of us, all humanity. And then there's this other thought about like sometimes things don't work or the human animal's broken or, uh, you know, like life is kind of an awkward, bumpy kind of ride. And then when you join them together and you give like the awareness of, both of those things to all characters it becomes like very interesting in a way um it just reminds me a lot of that yeah and it allows for something that i've always i've often thought this myself as like a mental challenge i've always tried to and like i've never figured out how to break this but i i'm coming to realize dimly that i think this movie might be the movie i'm describing in my head which is i've thought what would a movie be like if you took someone's life and all the moments that have meaning attached to them right like oh this sequence Mm. in your life means this or could have this meaning attached to it if it were a scene in a film and you chopped them all up and made them undifferentiated dots and you put them back in order 
for the purposes of making a film, but rather than doing it in the order of chronology or structure or anything like that, you did it in the order of an essay. Like you were composing thought by thought what mm-hmm. you right. wanted the and I feel like this movie is that because it does this dissociative stuff right. where like he is in the present talking about uh or or experiencing the fact that his mom, you know, wrote the note hundreds of times and then it'll cut back to him as a a little child and say stuff like someone at the beach told him that the waves have been there since long before he was born and will still be there long after he's gone. Bill looked out at the water and thought of all the wonderful things he would do with his life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just like, Mm -hmm. that is both childhood and the disappointment of growing into adulthood in one moment. And I really do feel like, I guess what I'm just describing is, like full dissociation like Finnegan's Wake almost is this or Ulysses almost is this Um, but you get so much out of true stream of consciousness in a way that I think sometimes I'm scared to indulge in because I'm so comforted by the story having like a shape that I recognize right but and true stream of consciousness almost feels like it's shapeless but it sure is mm-hmm. dense with like good shit. So yeah, uh, and I and I feel like this is like I I I agree with you. I think you're right that it tends to be like that. But I feel like this kind of bucks that, um, like it because it's not shapeless. Like it fe- it kind of feels shapeless as you as you're watching it. But it, as it progresses, it doesn't feel like that. It does very clearly like oh this is this is part one. This is then it does this. Then it goes through this. It's just sort of the presentation, the thoughts. Uh, that are that we're going through can apply to so many different moments of your life can apply to so many different people um, everybody really um, that it feels formless but it's actually not Um, yeah and yet if it were live action I really do think you'd have a problem with like the location completely changes every Mm -hmm. 30 seconds all the characters you know it would have a cast of hundreds because he just meets random strangers constantly right, right. with no context. Uh, I feel like it would feel really disjointed. It's almost perfect as stick figures. Because it's it is. Like, yeah, exactly. Really it has Don this it, magnum opus. <laughs> yeah, it creates this sort of connective tissue that keeps the form together, even though it seems counterintuitive because they are stick figures. It seems even like even more formless than like real people yeah. acting it out. Um, but because they are, it sort of uh, t- keeps it tied tight together. Reminds me of a comic called Hyperbole and a Half that's also quite good uh, about mental health challenges. And uh, Farside, where it's the fact that in Farside, mm-hmm. it always felt like the universe was somehow connected and all these dumpy dudes and cows and shit <laughs> probably know each other. Yeah, even though yeah, they yeah. were technically all unrelated, different strips. Oh, every, like, yeah, everyone was Farside different. Yeah. Is, and every joke yeah, itself yeah. is about a, a fundamental disconnect about the interconnectedness of everything, right? It's always like the cows have an expectation of how something should go. But in the end, they're just fucking cows or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. always, it's always that uh, that turn. It reminds uh, the things that I thought of actually. What I wrote down while we're doing like reference, mm-hmm. you know, reference time. The one, uh, at least like the first like half of the movie, it may, gave me a vibe of that uh, that uh, Emma Thompson and um, fucking Will Ferrell, Stranger Than Fiction. Oh. 
Have you seen that movie? I like that well, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that movie's good because she narrates his life, and you get the same kind of like spastic, like mundane thoughts that he that he'll, he'll respond to, and he's like, oh, "Really? Are you?" Am I really that boring? I, mm-hmm. I, I know I'm just brushing my teeth, but do you have to make me sound like that? Uh, the other one is like The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which I like a little less just because it's a little bit more, you know, like wonderless. But it's the same kind of idea about someone long, almost like using mundane examples of like, my life is this, it's this, it's this, it's so boring. And I just like, it's so ordered. Uh, and then I want something more just by saying like how mundane it is like never actually coming out and saying i need to go somewhere i need to fix this it's just like i'm unhappy with what i see and like that vast longing and loneliness like or a need to escape is kind of implied by the vignettes and i think that they're like it's crazy how well torn this uh or well worn i should say this this um trope is in like literature and movies right how many times have we done this you mentioned synecdoche you know like we it almost always is the topic of like uh the great american great american novel yeah you know it's always the topic things that want to be so big like the fountain (laughs) guys remember the fucking fountain remember cloud (laughs) atlas guys remember cloud yeah you want to talk about literally everything any Um, movie where you say everything about everything yeah the mundane and the the spectacular combined together yeah um and yeah and the ultimate truth they work it's uh, It's, it's a good trick they work the ultimate truth that it's all determined by your perception the same thing can be mundane or spectacular if you've yeah it's bill it's bill looking at his um at his bath mat and being like i've never like i forget the exact quote but like my bath mat is spectacular (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah. he's never appreciated all this detail that he never noticed he's alive he's alive yeah Yeah. (laughs) thank you the world is clumsy and beautiful and new although he's been sleepwalking for god knows how long and something's finally shaken him awake Mm -hmm. and i think we've all had moments of that glimpses of that state of ultimate gratitude and that well we can actually see the atoms vibrating like it's amazing Mm -hmm. that anything even exists it's hard to inhabit that state for a long period of time in a connected way i find yeah yeah um it was easier it's hard to sit in that yeah it's harder as an adult it takes more work you know i do feel like this is a universal human experience for sure fucking drugs help i was gonna say yeah lsd does induce it yeah that's true what I li- really like which about is fine. it too, which is fine. <laughs> uh, what I really do like about it as well is the, like, whereas Synecdoche or, you know, fucking Cloud Atlas does it, <laughs> and there's this, <laughs> there's this sense of, like, it's sad, like it's a sad beautiful, mm-hmm. which is still true about this movie. I mean, this movie is very much has sad stuff for sure. On. Yeah. Oh yeah. But. None of the other, uh, none of the other topics. Maybe Snacktiki would do this. Has the line like Bill picked up his new medication, went home, and masturbated for seven, seven hours. hours. <laughs> you know, it's like it is willing to do kind of this. It's willing to do the surrealism, truly, to the point where it's like doing what surrealism to me ought to be, which is funny. It should be and a little detail fun. oriented. Yeah, it's absurd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and observations I don't think, on I think mundane life. Right. And I think that like something about this, like whatever we want to call this genre of lit uh, and movies, like the people who want to have this conversation and and are even close to nailing it. And a lot of the ones that we've listed do uh, or are very close. 
they're not necessarily written by comedians. This is the one that like a comedian did. Uh, Charlie mm. Kaufman's also another example because he's a comedian as well. Um, both these guys do it, and I think you need a comedian. Like, oh, yeah, you, you really do because, I mean, the subject matter is that it's all absurd. <laughs> it's absurd. Like, it, yeah. there's obviously, like, there's so – it's so deep and shallow at the same time. It's absurd and serious uh, that, it, like, that is – existing is absurd and if mm -hmm. you don't at least acknowledge that in some way and have those moments then you're not really talking about it uh yeah truthfully i guess mm -hmm. like eternal sunshine at spotless mind great movie but like yeah. not done by really a comedian you know yeah. not that funny which is surprising because it it was a whimsical guy but not a, necessarily a funny guy yeah. i'm really yeah, good yeah, at yeah. hitting dual tones simultaneously like haunting yes. and funny like mm -hmm. bad and funny like um bill woke up that morning and he because you're already invested in like oh no his memory is slipping away bill mm -hmm. woke up that morning and he could no longer remember where he put the memory clinics daily memory yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's great it's yeah, yeah the irony yeah, amazing. It Perfect. fantastic um yeah yeah it's like it's not just necessary but it makes me enjoy what i'm watching as well because i get to take all these momentous things with these tiny mundane but also funny things and it gives it its charm and yeah. it, it makes me like it takes like i think there's something to be said about taking the bitter pill like a little bit mm -hmm. make it go down easier yeah. whereas sometimes when you're just like cloud atlasing all over the place right yeah you know, you're, like it's yeah, any like, self-serious things like well it's not about you it's not about yourself you know it's about yeah you know, are you, are, did you do it? Are you the deepest boy? All right, congratulations. But guess what else? It's silly that you made a movie. Like, what does that even mean? What are you, like, what are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> fucking, you're a fool. Except how fools. silly it is that you're existing right now and then make yeah, a you movie about it. Yeah, you fucking idiot. You fucking, you fucking idiot. You don't think it's silly enough. Yeah, you do. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That I'm a funny guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's true I though. Am in pain. But you kind of need to also because <laughs> like you need diamond pain. Exactly. Like you need to like uh also the absurdity of the tragic. Right. Too. Right. You know? Um mm -hmm. because uh I, yeah, I guess I just keep coming back to like it's not it's not as honest if you're not doing that. Um if it is just this very like, you know, what hold on, my dog. <laughs> I don't know if you hear that, but mm -hmm. heard a little bit. I heard a dog. Hi, Mags. Add something to the podcast, Maggie, or we're gonna throw you out the window. <laughs> Sorry about that. I forget what I was saying, but you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Sure, that's fine. That's fine. All right. All fine. Then we're done. I oh, I think we're fine. We did it. <laughs> we fucking did it, guys. We did do it, and it's dense with meaning and i hope people watch it if they haven't seen it and i also wanted to say uh since you like this codes and enjoyed the simpsons couch gag that mm -hmm. he did definitely check out the world of tomorrow it has big this vibes and it's only okay. like 15 mm -hmm. minutes i think cool um i've also uh already uh started to look up where i can order um the what smartest kid fucking thing yes jimmy corrigan smart jimmy Corrigan. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, shit yeah. dude please let me know when you actually read that i've never had the chance to talk about it with someone and i'd really love to cool it's i'm, so I'm on good. it also dude. what's funny this is, is special there was actually a lawsuit 
uh, because Jimmy Corrigan looks exactly like Stewie Griffin. And Chris Ware, the creator, uh, <laughs> had to get a season to, or like there was some kind of legal dust up uh, around it. Stewie being a ripoff of Jimmy Corrigan. So look at it. Super depressing story about Stewie Griffin. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I can't cool. wait. It's Fucking great. can't wait, dude. Hell yeah. Yay. We did it. And, uh, uh, you guys are pretty cool. You guys are good at mm-hmm. uh, talking. Oh, you're cool too. I love you guys. I like talking about movies with you. Love you, Cody. Love it. So love, miss, miss love, you guys. Just I'm love all around. For our off mic plans for you to ruin my wedding. It's going to be great. I can't wait yeah. to yeah, ruin it. Ruin your wedding, Still baby. Time. We can figure out even mm-hmm. more. Oh, I so think there's a more annoying do. song we could. Yeah. Twist and shout would suck if you heard it a hundred times. If over and over. Like if you heard it more than <laughs> once. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you do it once, like, oh, that's fun. That got everybody <laughs> dancing. Well, you already got a stance, and we don't need this again. <laughs> I, I, yeah, Cody, I get we it. could just do yeah, maybe shake mud it up. We're, we're doing it. We could do. She hates me. My puddle of mud. She fucking <laughs> hates me. Nice. <laughs> we could do that. Uh, that Kid Rock. Ain't nobody gonna tell me how to live. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or the one where Perfect. like the chorus is just him saying, "Let's go, Brandon," in the background. It's fucking <laughs> awesome. For, it's Perfect so for bad. any wedding. Yeah. Uh, for admit, any wedding. In junior high, I was super into like I would play and weep to that song. Do you remember that Kid Rock song that's kind of sad, where it's like, "I've been I'm a sitting cowboy, here babe. trying to find myself." Only God knows why. Oh, yeah, Only God knows that. why. Only God, only God knows, God knows why. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I would play that and tear up and be like, maybe Kid Rock's Damn. Good. Hell yeah. Damn. You should check out his new stuff because he is not. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> He's not. Dude, yeah, I remember those days because that shit was on TRL. Remember yeah, it was. TRL? It's just Hell one yeah. of those days. <laughs> I'm a cowboy, baby. <laughs> God. Yeah. No, you're not. Ain't nobody going to tell you how to live. No. No. Well, cut my life into pieces. Cody, where can people <laughs> find and follow you and see more of your work? Well, there are a few ideas, but it, for your last resort, <laughs> you oh, got... Uh, God damn it. Uh, no, I'm online. You can Google, uh, I guess, my name. I don't know. Uh, I do a show called Some More News on YouTube mm-hmm. and uh, Even More News. It's a podcast. Um, and that's mostly it right now. I got a band that's going to have an album soon. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. we're called The Hot Shapes, and I like it. Um, but yeah, you know, Hot I shapes. do stuff on the internet. You'll, you'll yeah, see that'll it. do it. Google those things. That's really all anyone yeah. has to say anymore these days. Google yeah, those go- things. Google yeah, this phrase phrases. or the, these words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, I am so proud of you. Everything will be okay. And I am in mm, pain. I'm so proud. Of you. And I am in pain. I am in pain. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Cave. Great pick. Great, good, excellent good pick. job, man. Good, great, mm-hmm. good, fine. Good. All right. Nice. This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you.